welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Hello. Today, I will speak with Latonia Wickens. Latonia is the founder of The Change Coaches and author of Leading Below the Surface, How to Build Relationships with People Who Are Different from You. Latonia specializes in coaching executives on leading below the surface to build psychologically safe relationships with their teams across differences. She is a sought-after keynote speaker and an inspired audience all over the world. Today, we will speak how to create cultures of belonging, motivating environments, and amplifying the only ones at work so they feel more valued, heard, and engaged at work. So stay with us. Latonia, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Great. I know that you wrote the book, Living Below the Surface, How to Build Real Relationships with People Who Are Different from Us. And I'll be happy to hear about a little bit about your book, what brought you to write this book, actually. And let's go from there, because I really agree with you that the most crucial thing today is the connection, right? The ability to connect mm-hmm. people, to see people as human beings. But let's start with your insight, and I will follow up. Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting question because I could tell you a little bit about why I wrote this book. And, but I want to, I want to premise that with thinking about every day, reflecting on every day, how this book and this approach is so much more important. And it's the future of leadership. And, and that's a lot of what I talk about in keynotes. But I spent a lot of time in corporates and I noticed that all of these companies had these quote unquote diversity and inclusion programs. And I was actually a learning and development leader. And so I worked a lot with these diversity teams. We partnered on different things like training. And what I noticed is that it wasn't really very effective. And when I, especially for someone like me, who these programs are for, right? It was a poster child for these and one other thing, and I'll mention, I was working for a, a global company and we were doing a lot of succession planning for global like country managers. And there were like always maybe two or three women in that pile of like 60 people. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, yeah, it just wasn't working and it didn't seem to get better every year. And throughout my life, one of the influencers in my life was my grandmother, and she was always just really good with building real relationships with people who are different from her. I was able to see that, and she taught me how to do that. And that's when I had this realization that I was like, why are we skipping over this? Like, why are we kind of, we're all going with our heads, right? We're thinking hard on this. And we can't think our way through this, right? We have to connect our way through this. And so that's when I had that realization and I started writing the book 
And yeah, I asked Amy Edmondson to write my Ford. I, I knew psychological safety was going to be a big part of this. And so that's a little bit of a short story of leading below the surface. Wow. It's really touched me what you say. I can really relate to what you're saying in the sense that, you know, we're in the same field. So you see that many people are bringing their mind to the workplace and leaving the heart behind in order not to be vulnerable, not to, you know, in the corporate, would not to affect the ROI in a negative way. But at the end of the day, this is the opposite way, right? So we need, we need to embrace the new way and to bring our complete self to the workplace in order to really increase the ROI and create better workplaces. So when we, you work with executive and call the corporate world, and you say that the other programs didn't work, what do you do differently in order to change the environment of the cultures and the corporate world? Yeah, so we get below the surface with them. So, and we do that. What that means is we find ways to have empathy, right? For leaders to access empathy in a workshop. So we don't just go and teach workshops. Again, we don't stay in the head. We have an opportunity for leaders to practice that. We talk a lot about real leadership, relatable, equitable, aware, and loyal. Again, relatable, equitable, aware, and loyal. I did a lot of research on leadership archetypes. And I was also really frustrated because um, there weren't really a lot of archetypes on how we treat people. It, yeah, again, we're not, leadership science is behind where we are today. And so we actually take them through that practicing. What did you find in the, why was it, it frustrated you to find that there were various kinds of uh, leadership styles? Yeah, I was frustrated because when I was in organizations as a learning and development leader and also being on the other end of that or the other side of that, I was also once a quote unquote high potential, you know, I hate these words, but I was once one of those in a large company. Uh, and uh, it was, again, we were put in these boxes, like uh, we would take these personality tests and put in these boxes of, mm -hmm. hey, you're a strategic leader or you're an innovative yeah. leader. And I'm like, well, what does that really mean? That's not really helping the organization in the ways that we need us today. You know, belonging is the number one thing that's important to employees today. And the workplace is much more complex. So that's why I was frustrated. And wow. so that's why I did a lot of research and, and we came up with real leadership based on what are the leadership skills that are important for today. And then psychological safety. So we get people to, again, within our, our workshops, we're all coaches and we get them to go below the surface and kind of experience psychological safety, practice psychological safety. Psychological safety is a concept that's really hard for leaders uh, to, to grasp. And one of the things I talk about is just knowing it's not, you have it or you don't, it's, it's you know, you have some or little, right? Or a lot, right? It's not like, it's not like a black or white, like a checkbox. And I think that's where a lot of leaders kind of get off on um, on that or make mistakes on that is they'll think, oh, either I have it or I don't. And once I have it, I have it. But you have to continue building it and you can take it over more. So so yeah, that's a little bit about how we do it. We focus on those those three prongs of below the surface leadership. I think what you're saying about the psychology safety, in order to create it, I think the leaders, my experience in my work, they need to lead by example, meaning that they need to bring themselves fully to the space, right? To be vulnerable, to show up, to know that they don't know what the answers and give space and legitimacy to others to show up fully and not play a game and show that they know everything. So it starts with the leaders, no? I think, and this is what you're saying, well, 
facilitating programs, not only from the theory, but people are going through a transformation. People need to change and connect to their, I love the name that you said, beneath the surface, because you need to go deeper to connect mm-hmm. to yourself in order to show up fully and to, to have these trends. Actually, because still now vulnerability looks like something, a weakness, but now with the new leadership say, no, this actually is a strength to be able to show up fully and be vulnerable. What do you think about it? Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. It's it's leading through example and are leading by example. And we, a lot of companies are in the business of telling leaders what they need to do, mm-hmm. right? And then they might put them through a training and say, okay, you need to comply with this. But research has shown that doesn't work. So what we do is we kind of turn it upside down and we tell them a little bit about what it is. Uh, it's like a flipped classroom. That's what people call that sometimes, but it's it's in a different way. We give them a little information, but then we practice a lot. And then we, we reflect a lot mm-hmm. with leaders and we allow them to share what I call share your slips. So again, we are kind of, we're socialized in a world that where leadership, you know, it's stigmatized if you're, if you're leading with empathy, right? Like you're supposed to be fast, you're supposed to be decisive, all these things. And so, so yeah, we, we almost have like an incubator uh, and a lab for people to kind of, to practice these things uh, and create that psychologically safe space within their colleagues. What do you experience when you're working with leaders and executives? What are they mainly struggling with? You can you recognize one or two yeah. challenges? Number one today, that's a really good question. And a hands down number one is leading in a hybrid or remote work environment. That is number one. I would say number two is leading in a global work environment still, which is insane because we've been talking about this for like 10 years, right? And again, I think it's because... I mean, the hybrid is new, right? But the global is not new. And I think the global piece is, again, I think we were trying to solve this with our heads and like, oh, like, let's let's do a checklist of, hey, time differences. What do we know about these cultures instead of connecting with people who are different from you? And so I think that's still been a struggle. But those are the two big things that I would say leaders are really struggling with. I mean, the third I would say is still diversity and inclusion. We as change coaches, I run a company called Change Coaches. We put all that in the same box yeah. uh, with hybrid, like people working differently, people working. What do you think is that. the most challenging for executives to work in the hybrid workplace? What do you encounter with them? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people will, will read my book and they'll say, how do I do this in hybrid or remote? And it's interesting because Anything that you can do in the office, you can do hybrid or remote. And and so I think it's, again, kind of meeting them where they are and understanding that even though I think leaders know more than they think, but it's because they are, they're kind of stuck in like, how do I do this if I am on a Zoom call instead of in an office? For example, what? what Yeah. Yeah. For example. Creating psychological safety, right? So in Leading Below the Surface, I talk about what psychological safety is, some ways to create it. I talk also about empathy, you know, ways to access it. And they're like, well, how do I do this on, you know, hybrid? And I always tell them what I tell them is, first of all, write down how you would do this in the office, right? And what your plan would be to do this in an office. And then take that and apply it to 
okay, now that we're on Zoom, what can I do and what I what can't I do? And what I find is that they see it's really not that different. It's not, it's not. It's just, yeah, there's different steps, but it's, I mean, tactical steps, but the results are the same. So can you give people who are, who are listening to our podcast and say, okay, I want to create this psychology safety in my Zoom meetings. What can I do differently uh, than the office face-to-face? Yeah, so the number one thing that I will tell people, and there's lots more, but I'm going to give you the biggest one. I talk a lot about empathy and how to access empathy in the book. I talk about how to access empathy through empathetic listening, uh, mm-hmm. below the surface listening. And so one of, the way, one of those ways is what I call person-to-belonging listening. So if you're listening with multiple senses, you could actually discern the extent to which someone belongs, right? On a team, in a workplace, you can discern the power dynamics. You can discern a lot, right, about the team. And so and in a Zoom environment, people are like, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, you, you just take a step back. And so in your next Zoom meeting, just don't talk. Just observe. Observe people's faces. Observe who's taking over the meeting. Observe who's jumping in. Observe who seems a little out of sorts. And you can learn a lot about your team that way. You can learn, again, who's out of sorts, who, is, who, who has the power, who is confused, like who might you need to spend more time with. And so that's my advice. Like, how do you do that in person? Well, you do it, you would all be there, but it's no different um, if you're on Zoom. You do it intuitively. But you know what you said resonated within me because when I speak about the new leadership and what I found in my research that we need to handle the central tension between the doing mode and the being mode, right? Because till now, leadership is about doing, having the right resource, but the new leadership is actually the ability to pause, reflect, be, and listen deeply. And from this place, act. And this is actually what you're offering them. You're telling them, okay, don't be in your automatic behavior to be, to say, to speak loudly, not to let go, to be present, not to give space to others. Be present and show up and listen really and create the space for others to show up and be there with your presence, not with your acting. And I, I think it's not an automatic, intuitive thing for leaders because we didn't learn to be like these managers. We, we learned that we need to be really active. So it's challenging for them, huh? It is. I love how you put that. Yeah, it, it's very challenging. And I, I call that the dominant leadership standard where we were trained to you know, control a meeting. We were trained, if it's silent, it's bad. Right. We don't know what we're talking about if it's silent. Right? Or if, yeah. Right. Because then yeah. we're sure that we don't know the answer. And- right. Right. Oh. Right. Yes. Or if we take a couple minutes to think of an answer, we're weak or we don't know what, what we're talking about or we're not credible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yes, this is this is how you practice this. And folks, you can do this. You could do this. Uh, you could do this virtually. And that's actually that's the future of work where you might have. I mean, look at us. We're. Cost the, the cost of the world from each other, right? And so this is how it's going to be. Right. And, you know, I think what you said, this is actually the new leadership enabling the solution to emerge, you know, versus controlling it and creating not the accurate solution. And by creating the space and really listening to various kind of viewpoints, the right and accurate solution will emerge instead of controlling it and doing what we think and I think it's a crucial, crucial element of, that we need to embrace, the ability to listen. 
to listen deeply to ourselves, to others, and to be in the uncertainty. What do you say about it? The ability of leaders and executives to be in the uncertainty and not know the answers. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to know that. I mean, as a coach, I mean, that's the foundation of work, of our work, right? Is that we don't give you the answers. The answers are inside of you. And so it's it's practicing that same thing with your employees where it's like, okay, well, this might be my answer, but what's their answer? And how do I let them get there? Instead of telling them what that answer is, again, teaching people how to fish instead of fishing for them, where it's the former is, is going to be much more effective. It, that's what leaders are there for, right? Is to make sure their team is successful or show their team how to be successful and then step out of the way. Yes, I agree with you. And you said again that also that the second challenge is the global work. What do you encounter regarding the global work? What is the most challenging part? The different hours or the different cultures and how to approach it? What do you think? Yeah, so there's a couple things. I think there's still a lot of just cultural differences where, you know, time differences, there's cultural differences with especially when it comes to belonging and diversity, equity, inclusion, how do different countries define that? And, you know, are certain identities more stigmatized in other countries? So that's, that's been something that we've worked through with some companies around, hey, how do you want to define this? Like, what are you focusing on when it comes to belonging? And, you know, the, our work has broader application. So th- that's another one. I would say the third one is really just uh, employees understanding how to how to work with people from other countries, uh, especially now that you know I'm in the U.S. and there's a lot more companies or a lot more U.S. like Americans working for countries that are or companies that are headquartered in different places in the world. I would say more than ever. Really? That, that we're seeing this. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, uh, Chinese companies, right. We're seeing, I haven't seen it at this level before where, you know, we have a lot of employees working for, for example, Chinese companies and, but they're based in America. And so it just creates different challenges that, that we haven't seen. And a lot of times they're hiring us on a country level. And so it's, it's, it's kind of complicated to be able to navigate that, uh, especially since, like, for example, America and China and China are so different and yeah. how how we are. Right. Right. And so it's how do you uh, overcome these uh, differences. Because it's a really- yeah, it's really it's really difficult. I think uh, it just depends on the company. A lot of companies are global, but they op- they operate in a multinational way. And so I think like a lot of the companies that we've worked with, that's how they operate. So they might be a Chinese company that's headquartered in China, but but this is the U.S. operation. So so we're able, or you know, you know, Western or whatever. So we're able to kind of work within that. You know, sometimes it's we'll have to just do some team coaching with you know U.S. and Chinese, and just kind of figure out how to kind of mend that. Uh, you know, we get a lot of teams that you know, are made up of both. And it's difficult to get because we're just so different. For example, you know, Chinese Americans can be very loud, right? And take over. And but again, I think it's just an individualistic society. Uh, but, you know, Chinese, they're quiet. Like, I, and I'm, again, I'm probably making stereotypes. So please forgive me for that. But I'm just saying some of the things I've, I've seen. And so it's it's us jumping in and trying to mend 
the the cultural differences so that so everybody can be heard and so the team can be effective. So that's just an example. So you say that you're creating space for the Chinese to speak more. Yes, yes. So you are navigating, you're actually facilitating. It's, again, it's team by team. But, you know, with some of the teams we've worked with, this is what we've noticed. And again, that might not be every single time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a different way of operating. And, you know, I do think the U.S. way of operating, like U.S. leadership is changing too. But it's just taking a while where we are having to become better listeners because there's been a lot of uh, heaviness in in the U.S. workplace with so many external things going on. What about the great resignation? Is it still continuing in the U.S.? People are still leaving the jobs or it... Uh... You know, I think at the height of it for every job opening, there was like, I think half the applicants, like there are no applicants at all. But I think we are... Uh, seeing that change where we're kind of toppling off. It's like at a plateau, I think. Uh, We're seeing the economy change. I think some people are fearing a recession. I don't know if I'd go there yet, but we are seeing a slowdown where people like companies are starting to lay off. I think things are are kind of getting right-sized. But yeah, so yeah, we did go through that. I still do see What I do see from the great resignation is that values have changed when people are doing job searches where, for example, you know, before they were just worried about money. Now, I guess never a hundred percent worried about money, but that was a bigger factor. And now it's like values. There's a big realization around, Hey, what do I really want? Do I, I want flexibility? I want to be able to say where I work. I want say in that. I want say, I want to be able to access to senior leaders. I want to be able to feel like I belong. So I think that the way that, employees search for jobs and accept jobs is going to be changed forever. I agree with you. I think this is the transformation that coronavirus gave us to pause and reflect upon what's our priorities, right? What's our values and to accurate our path. So it's important. What do you think, uh, you know, you're an expert in relationship. We see that the new leadership is actually like a social interaction, right? It's not a one leader and each and every one is a leader in a sense. And we need to connect with people and to engage people from a deeper place, as you call it, beneath the surface. What are the two, three tips that you can give our listeners how to nourish better connections, relationships with their employees, colleagues? Yeah, like I, like I talked about, I think at the, at the peak, you know, there are twice the number of jobs per applicants in the U.S. So this is like a really important thing right now. And so how do we connect? Yeah, I think it's like the three prongs of below the surface leadership that I mentioned earlier, you know, real leadership, relatable, equitable, aware and loyal, challenging how you lead, challenging all of the foundations around how you lead and adjusting it to this new workplace that is can you elaborate is, again about on the three what were it yeah so relatable it's relating to different kinds of people so it's it's instead of you know coming in and just speaking to the people that maybe like sports you're speaking about different things you're relating to the entire team mm-hmm. uh, equitable you are creating access to yourself you know and not equal but equitable A lot of people think equity means equal, but it doesn't. It means access. It means access that you need in order to be successful, that everybody has that no matter what success looks like to them. The easy example I'll give is 
let's say you have five people on a team, one of those people are new. If you're equal, all six of those people would have the same access to you. Mm-hmm. If you are equitable, that one new person might have more access to you because they might need it in order to be successful. The, mm-hmm. the other five probably don't need it as much, right? So that's what equity means, right? Uh, a lot of times, again, there's this whole leaders say, I treat everybody equally. That's not something to brag about, right? Because yeah, different people need different things. Um, aware. So awareness is knowing where you are as a leader, being aware of what's going on in the world, being aware of things in the world that may, may be affecting some of your team. And so that requires a lot of reflection. And, and so it, that's, that's what awareness is. A lot of leaders are just not aware of, again, they don't, they don't go beyond you know, the head and, hey, this is our strategy. But again, they have to get into the body, into the heart. And then loyal. And loyal is one of the ones that I'm most passionate about. But loyalty is having loyalty to the mess of the changing workplace, having loyalty to the mess of the process, you know, having loyalty to your people. Uh, and if, like, for example, if you hire someone new or, or that's different, being loyal to them, letting them, giving them space to learn, giving them that psychologically safe space to make mistakes and do things differently. And, you know, I think it historically, a lot of leaders have had a short fuse. I mean, there is, there's that phrase that says, hire slow, fire fast, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, I, I get it what you're saying, but with that, it's, uh, we have to have a little bit of loyalty because people who are different are going to make different decisions and they might make a few mistakes up front. And that's really what creativity and innovation is. That's the heart of that. So that's what I would say is just that real leadership, you know, empathy, empathy doesn't mean you have to agree, but creating understanding and connection through empathy and then psychological safety. Great. You actually resonated within it, the fast, trust the process, right? Yeah. The great space for things to emerge beyond your understanding, connect to a bigger picture and not only see the short term, but also hold the long term and balance between them. So mm-hmm. yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's crucial qualities, actually. I think it's a quality of individuals and leaders to embrace nowadays and to evolve the, toward this quality because not everybody is born with empathy, right? We need to... Right. It's kind of a, you call it a skill, quality, I don't know, but something we need right. to do with it, right? It's just practicing. Like we can all practice empathy and Yeah, it's like, again, these aren't things that we were asked to practice as leaders in the past, but this is something that, you know, we need to practice today. I mean, in the past, again, we were, when we were practicing things, it was, you know, a simulation to lead a team through a crisis or all these things, but empathy is at the heart of that. Right. Before we need to wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about? No, I mean, I think that I will just reiterate that The workplace is changing. And like I said, leadership and management science are a bit behind. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's time for us to kind of start challenging, you know, the leadership archetypes that, that we were socialized with because those are, those are becoming extinct. And so, and, and all of us could do this. There's no weakness in, in doing these things. Actually, it's going to make you much more connected to your people, which is like the most important thing these days. Tonya, thank you very much. If people want to reach out to you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn at Latonya Wilkins. And then 
latonyawilkins.com or if you want to check the book out, leadingbelowthesurface.com. Latonya, it was a pleasure talking to you and learning some your experience. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.